Jesus is risen, and oh, glory to God. We give you praise this morning, Father. We thank you for the salvation, the deliverance that you have given the church through the blood of Jesus Christ that pays the price for the debt that needed to be paid. God, you have given us liberty and freedom in Christ and a hope, a hope that is beyond anything human understanding can possibly imagine or think. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise because you're beautiful. You're wonderful. And we're here, Father, today to gather together as the church in unity to worship you in spirit and truth, to be one voice before the living God, giving him glory and honor and praise. Bless you. Wonderful, wonderful, so wonderful. wonderful. 
sul. see 
Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy You are my everything, and I will adore you. 
in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor, strength and glory. heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there was no more sea then I John 
saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he, sat, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words, for these words are true and faithful. Jesus, we thank you for the promise, the assurance, the dependability of your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are creating a new heaven and a new earth, Lord, where you will dwell with men. You will be their God, and we shall be your people. We thank you for the salvation that you offer right now, Lord, to whosoever will, let him come. And Lord, right now, we thank you for all that you have purchased for us, Lord. We pray for the comfort of your word, Lord, just to settle over every heart. I pray for the assurance, the confidence of your word, Lord, to strengthen every heart. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes, Lord, the eyes of our understanding, that we would see the glory of what you have prepared for the people of God. Lord, when the things of this world try to dim and cloud our vision, we pray, Lord, that you would remove the scales, Lord, and just let us catch a glimpse of what you've prepared for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated as you're able. I just want to welcome you here into Neighborhood Church. It's good to be together with God's people. Jesus. Once again, I'm going to um, let the church family know somewhere here at the beginning of worship, but our, our dear, one of our mothers of the church, Millie, um, Millie Shoemate, went home to be with Jesus yesterday afternoon. And I want to tell you, she would not want to be back here with us right now with what she has seen and experiencing right now. Each of us, I'll tell you, none of us knows how long we're going to be here. My last day could be today. God forbid, I'm not in a hurry to leave. I'd like to raise my kids and my family and stuff, but each of us, we're getting closer to that day when either the trumpet sounds or we breathe our last breath and I often think about when a loved one who loves, who's in Christ, when they go to be with the Lord, I often think about what would they tell us if they could come back? Well, number one, they say, prepare to meet the Lord. It's far better than anything they could ever have comprehended. And I will say this as well, church, I think we spend too little time thinking about heaven. Amen. I think we spend too little time thinking about heaven I know that God didn't create us just to simply be in heaven. There's going to be a new earth. God created us to live and to dwell on earth, so to say. But this place has got to be renewed. It's broken. It's yeah. sinful. Yeah. There's so much hurt and corruption. Men, could I have a little bit of help? I need to be up here just so I can see faces better. It's frustrating when you can't see. When I can't see you, and if you can't see me, and you're having to look around somebody. Thank you, guys. There, that's a whole lot better. Thank you. I like to be down there, and I may come down here in a minute. But we spend too little time thinking about heaven. 
and what Jesus has prepared. In the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. There was no sin. There was no corruption. There was nothing broken, nothing missing. Everything was in its place, so to say. Uh, complete, awesome, wonderful fellowship with Adam and Eve had perfect union and fellowship, but also with their Heavenly Father. Can you imagine what it will be like when we are in that new heaven, that new earth, and God is tabernacling, He is dwelling with us? You're no longer walking by faith, but now you can finally see Him face to face. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. I don't know the rest of the song. Anyone know the rest of that song? Huh? The Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight. Oftentimes, understandably so, I don't minimize trouble, tribulation, trials, and sickness, but oftentimes we are troubled and we wonder why, 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 why? What's the purpose? What's the use? Miss Millie was going through a very difficult time, especially these last six months. And I will share one thing that I share often, and I have to remind myself, this life that we live here, no matter how troublesome, no matter how difficult, this life that we live in the here and the now is the only opportunity we have for all of eternity to live by faith and not by sight. Millie is seeing the glory of God right now. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. All that she had ever hoped for, believed for, prayed for, expected, and seen is come to full fruition. And she is rejoicing before her Lord and her Savior right now. And down here, for those of us, all of us are here, hopefully you're not just present in body and not checked out. But for those of us here, and not just those of us who are here present in the sanctuary, but we're alive and so long as you have breath, you have an opportunity to give God the greatest gift that you can. And what is that gift that you can give? Is to live a life of faith. That even though I do not see him, yet believing I will rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah! I can't see him. I can't hear him. Much of the time, I can't feel him, yet believing. Yet believing, I rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. That is a wonderful gift that you give to Jesus when you're saying, Lord, why, why did she go through that? Why does any of us go through what we go through? You know what? Our faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Even though it is tested by fire, it will be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The testimony of your faith that I would say, God, give us the heart and the faith that would finally learn to rejoice in trials. Did not James say that? My brethren, sisters, can it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing this, that the testing of your faith is producing something? God, praise God, we're going through trials and tribulations. Listen, Millie's test and her trial of her faith is complete. She has finished her race. Turn to the book of Philippians, please. As I was praying this morning, obviously, as many of you, my heart was, was happy for Millie, but sad and heavy at other times, and I, I, can't, I just landed on the book of Philippians. 
because I want to share some reminders of scriptures that bring encouragement and bring hope because listen, your race isn't finished yet. God has more for you to do. Amen. God's not done with you yet. He has more for you to do. We have someone sitting over here, Christine. Christine's got a sweet little baby, Fallon with her. Christine was one of the Sunday school students that Millie taught. How old were you? Just a baby when you would have met Millie the first time? Yeah. Raised Millie, singing to her, teaching her, raising her. Christine, God's got work for you to do. And you know that. You got family to raise. The love of Jesus is in your heart. And you spread his love and his joy. I mean, just when I see you, I see joy. I see happiness. Does that mean you're happy all the time? No. But I see Jesus in you, Christine. And what Millie planted through the gospel in your heart, God's got a good work. He's got a good work he's doing through you. And you know what? He's going to bring it to completion. Philippians chapter 1. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. We're just going to go through Philippians 4 key areas just as reminders and encouragements in our heart. Why? Because Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. He was in prison when he wrote this epistle. This epistle, or it's a Bible churchy word, epistle is a letter, but it's a letter that the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the book, he wrote it to the people who are living in the city of Philippi while he is in prison, and this book is known as the Epistle of Joy. Here Paul, in his earthly, rightful mind, he had no reason to have joy, but he is encouraging the Philippian believers to have joy in their hearts because of what Jesus has done. Well, how can we have joy in our heart? Well, if Paul could have joy in prison, we could have joy today. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of my making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, and being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Once again, Christy, I'm not picking on you. I love you as as a friend and as a brother and a pastor. God's begun a good work in you many, many years ago, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. The Shoemate family, God began a good work in you many, many years ago, (laughs) and he's going to be faithful to complete it. Perhaps there's some in the Shoemate family, I don't know the whole clan, the whole tribe. I will say this, I love the Shoemate family. Can I tell a little joke? I've already told Leroy and Scott, I believe. When Millie was at Summit Pacific here about a month ago or so, and I just told her I'm looking for Millie's shoemate. And uh, I don't know how the nurse worded it, but I, I've got the do. I've got the shoemate do. <laughs> and she, she told me to go right in as if I was family, because she just looked at me. Oh, you must be one of them. No, this is what she did. She saw me, and it's something to the effect, must be here for shoemate, for Millie's shoemate. I'm like, yes, that's who I'm here for. Didn't bother telling her about the pastor right away. <laughs> like, go right in. I'm like, you, I'm part of the family now. For the Shoemate family, even those who aren't present at this moment, God began a good work in the Shoemate family many, many years ago. God's going to be faithful to complete it. 
and all the prayers that Millie and Floyd have prayed for many, many years, seeds that have been planted and have yet to begin to bear fruit yet, God is going to finish the work that he began. Church, whatever God finishes, he begins. Ken, there's so many different ones. Jim, good to see you, Jim. God is going to finish the work that he has begun. Yesterday, on a different note, we, uh, the Union Gospel Mission had a celebration for Gary and Paula Rell, 35 years of gospel service. Next week, we're going we're to celebrate and honor this special couple next week on Sunday. But you know what? There's many here who are part of their work. The mission, the friendship house, we want to express our love to you, ladies and men. The work that God begun in you, he is faithful to complete it. When there's a transition of leadership and a changing of the guard, so to say, there can be an uneasiness and anxiety, anxiousness. What's going to happen? What's it going to be like? You know what? Jesus is the captain of your salvation. He is the savior of your soul. What's your name with the red hair there? Ashley. Ashley. Jesus loves you, Ashley. I know it. I love him too. Amen. And the work that he begun in Ashley, you keep your eyes on Jesus. There'll be storms in life. There'll be troublesome times. You keep your eyes on Jesus, Ashley. <laughs> He's going to finish that work. You say, Lord, I can't see you sometimes because the waves get so high. I got my friend Fisherman Don back here. Good to have you back, Don. But you know what? Sometimes you get in the seas and you can't see the horizon because the waves are so high. And you're like, Jesus, I wish I could see you. And sometimes I'll lose sight of you, but Jesus is still there. And he's in the middle of that storm. And you know what? The work he begun, Ashley, he's going to be faithful to complete that work. Central Park Neighborhood Church. Elna, happy birthday. I don't know if I dare ask how many candles are on the cake this year. 87. 86. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> happy birthday, Elna. You've prayed a lot of prayers for this church. Heart of love and service and your husband, Art, too. <laughs> There's a huge reunion going on right now. But Elna, the work that God begun, even in your family and for this church and all your prayers and your desires, God's going to be faithful. He's going to complete this work. Church, God wants us. How do we have joy in the middle of all this? We have to have faith and confidence that, Lord, you're going to finish the work that you've begun. God, you've started something. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Now, does it happen automatically? No, it doesn't happen automatically. Listen, God initiates this work, but there is a human response that we have. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, please. Philippians chapter 2. Now, God's work doesn't happen automatically. You don't just lay in bed and go, thank you, Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven. No, no, no. God created us to get out of that bed. He created us to work and to labor, and he created us to love and to have faith and to follow after him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, this is every parent's dream verse when they have little kids. Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, <laughs> work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. How is God going to finish the good work that he's begun in your life? Obedience. 
Now notice what he says. He doesn't say work for your salvation, but he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God has worked something in you. How do we work out our salvation as we come to the realize, Jesus, I couldn't save myself. Christine, you could never save yourself, amen? He's like, mm-mm. None of us could save ourselves. No, Jesus saved us. He made a deposit into our life. And so we work out what he has worked into our life. How do we work that out? With fear, with reverence and trembling, realizing that God is the one at work, both causing us to will, to have the want to, to do his good pleasure. God's going to finish his work, but it will be finished as we work out what he works in. God wants us to acknowledge that, Lord, you want to work in me and through me your good purposes in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 3, turn there, please. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17, I'm passing a lot right now, but just picking four spots for this morning in Philippians for encouragement. It says, verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those, pay attention to those who walk as you have us for a pattern. For many are walking of whom I have told you often and now even tell you weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. I'm gonna push pause here for a second. We live in a world that's broken. Please say Amen. There are many who are not walking for Jesus. They're actually walking as an enemy. They're opposing Christ and all that he stands for in this world. Verse 19 says, whose end is destruction. Their God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and they set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. How do we have joy? I don't have any joy in the politics of this world. I don't have any joy in the things of this world. My only joy is found in my citizenship being in heaven. I want to ask you a question. Are you a citizen of heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If Have you repented of your sins? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior, that he died on a cross, took your sins upon himself, was buried and raised again the third day? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? If you have, and your name's written in that Lamb's book of life, you're a citizen of heaven. And if you're a citizen of heaven, that means the King of Kings is your King. If you're a citizen of heaven living in this world, you realize, Lord, I'm just temporarily passing through. Anything this world tries to throw, again, church, I think we're too earthly-minded too much of the time, caught up in all the things, and what's going on? You know what? You're a citizen of heaven. The King of kings is my king, and he's coming back for me. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, it says that we are to eagerly wait for our Savior. He will transform our lowly body, that it would be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things to himself. Many of you woke up this morning with aches and pains and grunts and groans. Amen. 
I found, I don't know if I was, I'm eating the wrong things, but sometimes I get out of bed or I get up, and like, you ever have this feeling like the first few steps, like, oh, ouch, oh, 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 and about two minutes later, you're like, oh, finally, okay, I can move. <laughs> have to go to the dentist this week. I may check it out and cancel my appointment. They want to do a couple of fillings, and I'm a There's coming a day when there's not going to be any more dentist. There's coming a day when all the aches and pains and all the brokenness, all the doctor visits, all that stuff, we're going to finally see Floyd running. Amen. We might even see him tap his foot a little bit. <laughs> There's coming a day when these lowly bodies that we live in church are going to be transformed to be like his body. I don't want to digress on this too far because it really shouldn't even be brought up a whole lot, but there's a lot of teenagers and young people that are too concerned about changing their body. Amen. It's empty. It's futile. You can change your body, change how you dress, change everything about the external. You can have surgery to change whatever you want to change, but it can't change the brokenness inside. That's right. Amen. The hurt, the pain. No psychologist can get there. You can change it all. And what they often find, sadly, heartbreakingly, is it's a dead-end road. I don't say that in jest or anything. My heart is shattered over it because I realize the only thing that changes is the transformation that comes through Jesus Christ. When he enters into a heart and he brings healing of the brokenness inside, when he brings healing for all the wounds and all the pain, and he takes that sin and plucks it out of that heart and puts a brand new soft heart in there, what is God's goal for you and I is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That's a beautiful thing. And so Philippians, this book of joy, what is the joy? Jesus is your healer. Please say amen. I'm going to digress a little bit more. Jesus is your healer. Amen. Amen. (laughs) But I want to tell you that does not mean that you will have perfect healing 24-7, 365 until the day the trumpet sounds necessarily. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. This body that we live in, Jesus has redeemed it, but it is a corruptible body until the time of your resurrection takes place. Maybe I should go off topic a little bit here, but I'll try to be very careful here. There's disappointment and there's sadness, understandable. Lord, why don't you heal every time, every moment, every way? I'll tell you why possibly, because sometimes God's just ready for that person to go home to Jesus. I shared this with some friends this past couple of weeks, and it helps me immensely in my walk of faith. Moses knew when his time of departure was at hand. Joshua knew when his time of departure was at hand. Now, Elijah didn't die, but he knew when he was getting ready to go to heaven. Jesus knew when his time of departure was at hand. Read John 14 through 17. That's what it's all about. Hey, guys, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem. It's time. The Apostle Paul knew when his time of departure was at hand, I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, it is time, for my, the time of my departure is at hand. Second Peter, the whole book of Second Peter was written because Peter knew that, hey guys, the Lord has showed me that I'm getting ready to lay aside this tabernacle, and I want to make sure that you can remember some things so that when I'm gone, you're going to remember it. 
My citizenship is in heaven, and I am eagerly awaiting my Savior. Does my Jesus heal? Oh, yes, of course he heals. Does he heal every time at my beck and call? I haven't figured that one out yet, no. But he's still my healer. And I know that there's coming a day when this perishable broken body, it's going to be planted in the ground unless the rapture takes place. Unless the transformation, the trumpet sounds, and then he's going to transform this body. Because flesh and blood, this body can't inherit, it can't stand in the glory of God. But God is going to transform this lowly body into a body that will never be perishable, never be broken, no more aches and pains, broken bones, no more pharmacy medicines being pumped into my body, no more doctors experimenting and practicing on me and trying everything they know how to do but can't do. No, Lord, you're going to give us a brand new body, Lord, that will never grow old. It will never decay. You'll never break a tooth, and whatever you eat, you're not going to have to worry about what you eat up there. that you'll be able to get up off of that chair and you'll be able to go for a walk and enjoy the walk. What's your name? Neil. Neil? Jesus loves you, Neil. I feel like that people spend too little time of thinking what God's prepared for them. I'm not saying you. And if the church, and I include myself in this, if we, Neil, capture the beauty and the glory of what God truly has prepared for us, it will turn this place upside down. Welcome, Neil. What's your name? Next to Neil? Judy. Welcome, Judy. Thank you for coming this morning. Jesus, my citizenship is in heaven. Millie's citizenship is in heaven. And when that body of hers breathed her last breath, I believe the angels of the Lord, just as they did, there, there was that poor beggar Lazarus that says that the angels escorted him to Abraham's bosom. I believe that the Lord's heavenly angels escorted Miss Millie right into the throne room of God. And just as we were so used to seeing her overwhelmed with the glory of God and getting lost in the spirit, oh, she is swimming. She is just immersed in the spirit of God right now. Seeing the beauty and the glory of God, and she is eagerly awaiting that trumpet to sound because, listen, God hasn't created you just to be a spirit up in heaven. No, he created us to live in a body. And when that trumpet sounds, you know what's going to happen? The dead in Christ will rise first. She's going to get that brand new body. It's going to be amazing, church. I'm thankful for what doctors try to do, but I tell you what, I'm even more eagerly waiting the new body that God's going to give us. Philippians 4, 4 in closing. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle, writing this as he is in jail, suffering for the gospel, 
he says to rejoice two times. Let your gentleness be known to all. This is a work of the Spirit of God, and I'm going to pause on this area for a short little bit. When you're suffering, there is perhaps no greater evidence of the work of Christ in your life when you're going through hardship, whether physical suffering, mental suffering, emotional suffering, that when you can rejoice and be gentle with others. I'll tell you, this is deeply convicting because many, when we're, when we're hurting and we're in pain, we're not gentle, we're grumpy. Uh, maybe I should have you say amen or uh-oh. <laughs> I don't blame you. When you're hurting, you're hurting. And I don't point a finger in fault because I've had my fair share of grumpy when I've been literally hurting. But the evidence of Christ that we ought to say, Lord, I want this in my life more and more. That Lord, if the apostle Paul was in prison for his faith, Lord, and he was rejoicing in Christ, Lord, he wasn't grumpy in his chains and imprisonment. He wasn't grumpy because of all that he sees on television and all that's happened in this world. No, he was gentle towards all. What's going to win people to Jesus, church, is not the church's grumpiness, but the church's joy and their gentle forbearance. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to tell you about what he has done. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my salvation. He begun a good work in us, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. I want to work out what God has worked in because God is the one working in me both to will and to do. When I just don't have it in me anymore to go one step forward, God is working in me both to will and to do. Lord Jesus, I thank you that my citizenship is in heaven. Lord, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, I thank you that even in difficult times of trials that we can rejoice in you. Lord, I pray that you would clothe your church with a spirit of gentleness, forbearance. Lord, that we would be those who give all of our burdens to you, our cares to you, our prayers to you. Lord, with thanksgiving, knowing that your peace, Lord, will guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, I thank you for Central Park Neighborhood Church. Lord, I thank you for the Shoemate family. I thank you for every family that is here, Lord, this morning. And God, I just pray right now that by the power of the Spirit of God and the living Word of God, Lord, that you would place a desire in us to see whatever work you've begun individually, in our families, Lord, in our church and our community, that you would place that desire to see it brought to completion with joy in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, church. It's always possible that in a group this size that there's somebody in here that perhaps you've heard about Jesus. Perhaps you know that he died on that cross, but you know in your heart of hearts that, Lord Jesus, I have not surrendered to you as my Lord. And this morning, I want to provide an opportunity, even if it's for one person, it says the angels of heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. But if you're here this morning and you realize that, Lord, I have strayed from you, Lord, I've been walking my own pathway in my will, my understanding. Jesus, I want to surrender. The Bible calls that repentance, conversion, turning around. And this morning, I want to place my faith in you to rescue me and to save me, to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, anybody here, raise your hand. I want to pray for you.
God would do a wonderful work in your heart. Amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Lord Jesus. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to encourage you, if you raised your hand, I do want to pray for you up front here at the, as we close in prayer. Amen? But we're going to close in prayer right now for this service. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the scriptures of the word of God that give us everlasting, eternal comfort and hope right now. Lord, for these who have raised their hands, Lord, some have been in church or part of church for many years, Lord. Lord, you know what work you need to do in their hearts, Lord, and right now as their family, Lord, we just pray for them. Lord, that they would find everything that they need would be found in you. Lord, as we dismiss from this sanctuary, I pray for your love to abound in every heart and every life. Lord, as we greet and love on the Shoemate family, may they sense your love and the love of the family of God, Lord, not only today, but Lord, in the days and the weeks to come especially, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, family of God. If you need prayer for something different, these altars are open. We'd love to pray for you. Don't be in a rush to get out. Please love on the shoemates as they're here and love on one another. Six o'clock Wednesday night for those who are able to make it. 